Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing on this fine summer day, huh? Can you believe how hot it is getting? I can't believe it. And so uh, I hope you're staying cool. Good to be together. My name is Tim, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. And um, last week, I don't know what to say, wow, wow, what a week, a weekend. Uh, $167,000, I'm probably counting. There's probably going to be a little, a few more um, trickle in a little bit uh, later on, but that's uh, it's amazing. Great time to be together. And um, uh, then we had a baptism uh, this week. Uh, Chris Long was baptized. Is Chris, is Chris here? There he is right there, Chris. Praise God, man. Hey. Yeah. And I know he, he's been thinking about that for a couple of years and just exciting to see him as a part of the kingdom. Very excited about that, Chris. Okay, so we're in a series of lessons called First. And... Uh, We've t- taken a break last week to really to put God first for that just that brief moment with our special contribution. And uh, today, uh, I want to talk about uh, setting God apart or setting God, putting God first with our time, with our time. I, I don't know about you, but it seems like I never have enough time. I got more stuff to do, and it's a it's a major source, at least in my life, a major source of stress because I'm constantly wrestling with. What to do with my time, and I never seem to be able to get any more of it. Um, I only get the time God gives me. One of the things that I think is interesting is we all have these different numbers. If you were to ask somebody, if somebody were to ask you how old are you, it'd be different probably than the person sitting next to you. Uh, different amounts of of things, like uh, maybe your credit card balance is probably at different amounts. Oh yeah, it's all the same, maxed. Okay, I get that, but it's different amounts. Am I right? And, or maybe, maybe uh, if it's not that, it's the size of your family is a, is at a different amount, or your weights at a different amount, or your the taxes you pay are a different amount. And I hear every once in a while people talk to them about the mileage on the car. Now, what is it about us, fellas? It's like if we if we get over a hundred thousand, we start the bragging, and we get into the two hundred thousand, and we try to see if we can get even three hundred thousand miles out of these vehicles. I right now have a van that's got 257,000 miles on it, you know, and, and well, yeah, it's still on the road. And, and you're saying, Tim, get another van. I th- I agree. I work on it quite a bit. But the thing that I notice is that though we have, we share all these different amounts of weight, height, whatever time uh, is the same. You all, you and I have the same amount of time every day. God gives us 24 hours. He gives us 14, over, a little over 1,400 minutes and a little over 86,000 seconds. Every time we wake up, you and I are given the same amount of time. There are no rollover minutes with God when you stop and think about it. Remember those days? If you didn't use all your minutes, they rolled over to the next month. And God didn't operate that way. If you don't use them, guess what? You lose them. Time waits for nobody. You can't save it. You can't stretch it. You can't make it. Only God can make it. He's the Alpha and the Omega of time. So He's at the beginning, at the end, and everything in between. He owns the clock. But see, when it comes to time, one of the things I'm noticing is, as I as I live here on this earth a little longer, and I notice about our society, is that we don't know how to manage our time very well. We're, we're, we have a tough time with it. Um, it's been said, I read this this week, that we've been called the most frantic, and the most entertained generation in history. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means some of us are slaves to time. You know anybody like this? 
Maybe you've said this before. I got so much to do. I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. Huh? We look at our clock. You know, today, I, I, I showed up late for church today. I'm having computer issues. I can't print my sermon. I can't print it out. I don't want to print it out. I want to look at it on a piece of paper. And, and I'm, I am looking at the clock. Tick, 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 tick. Remember Tom Hanks and Castaway? Tick, 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 tick. And it's ticking away. And you're like, come on! Come on. I'm yelling at the printer. I'm yelling at the computer. As if it could under, I know Tim, you yell a bit more and I'll try harder. I mean, it doesn't work that way. But we, some of us are slaves to time. We have never get everything done. At the same time, some of us are swaths with time. Huh? You know anybody like that? They waste a lot of their time on their phone. How many of you are cell phone addicts? Just raise your hand. Come on, admit that's a first step, right? There's a higher power second. Admit you got a problem, right? Yeah, I'm. I am a cell phone addict. You know how you know you're your cell phone addict when you take it to the bathroom. You know you're a cell phone addict when you carry it around. You're trying to do something that takes two hands, but you're carrying this thing around like a security blanket. No, it's the cell phone. It's the computer. I, I, I'm not a Facebook person. One, one time I remember, I'm, I'm on Facebook maybe once or twice a year. I'm going to be on vacation in a couple of weeks, and I, I think in a week, and I, and I know I'm going to go on Facebook, and somebody's going to see me and go, Tim, is that really you? It's a rare sighting. Tim is on Facebook, you know. And I get off. I just click right off. Why? Because I, I watched, uh, I see, I don't know if you do this, I kind of collect little thoughts like this. I'll go through Facebook and I'll notice they made that comment at three in the morning. What are you doing up at three in the morning? Well, I'm on Facebook. Well, some of us, maybe, may, may be true. There may be an exception or two there. But I don't believe that. You know, we, our computers, I remember one time a couple, the wife took her wedding ring, I kid you not, and placed it on the monitor and said, here, you're married to that thing. We're just, we, we, we have the, these sloths of time. We waste a lot of time watching TV. We, and you say, I don't watch as much TV. No, you're watching your smartphone. Okay. We just switch screens is all we've done. All right. And if it's not that, it's our, it's our desire for leisure. We plan. We want to, I'm going to make sure Friday night we're going to do this or I'm going to go here and I'm going to get this done and, and we, so we've strategized and we plan. And it's this idleness. It's this busyness. Whichever way you want to be, whoever you are, if you're the busy person or the idle person, can I tell you what happens to both of us? Whatever category you're in, it robs us. It robs us of this time. It's sometimes we're, that we, we, we forfeit. We forfeit God's purpose. And, and, we, and, and we lose precious opportunities to be used by Him because we're either holding our hands and doing really waiting for something to happen or we're so busy we're not conscious that He's working and needing us there to get it done. Does that make any sense at all? I mean, there's times I... I mean, I, I know there's two kinds of members here, maybe three, but I know we got some of you here every week we're pounding on you. You need to get involved. You need to get involved. And you're saying, now, you don't know how busy I am. I'm a very busy person. I can tell you, I understand what business is. I'm a very busy person too. 
And there's the others. You go, man, come on, let's do something. Oh, I don't want I don't know. Maybe I'll call you later. It never happens. If there's anything I've learned in the 61 years of my life, <laughs> I'm learning this. I'm still learning this. There are two things that have a huge impact on my time. The first one is circumstances. And the second one is my attitude. That's what I notice. As I was thinking about how crazy it is for me sometimes and how hectic it is and how forgetful I get or how lazy at times I get, there are two things that seem to have a huge impact on how I use my time. My circumstances and my attitude. Look at this. You see both of them in this passage in Ephesians 5. So be careful how you live. Does that sound like an attitude? Be careful how you live. Live as live as men who are wise and not foolish. Sound like an attitude? Yeah. Make the best use of your time. These are sinful days. Sound like circumstance? Yeah. And I notice this. Circumstances and attitude has a have a big impact on how I spend my time. I was talking to a, a new parent this week or a young parent. You know, it's interesting. You know, they went from one child to two children. And I asked them, so how, what's it like having two kids? And he said, well, you know, they, they warned me. People told me, and they were right. It's crazy. He goes, Tim, I'm either working or sleeping or watching children. I remember years ago, I didn't have a lot of empathy when I was single toward people who had children. And when I was married with no children... It wasn't until I had those children I went, oh. And now I'm watching young couples, you know, twins, three kids. You know, I watch them go, and I know what they're thinking. Sometimes they're going, how am I going to get, man, how am I going to do this and this and this? Circumstances can limit us sometimes. We can't do what we used to do because of a circumstance. Get sick, get a disease, have cancer. Tell me. If that doesn't change things, I don't know how many times Stephanie so frustrated my sister-in-law go, Tim, I can't do what I used to do. Everybody thinks I I look good because the chemo is making me look good, and I'm wearing a lot of makeup. He goes, but Tim, honestly, I don't have any energy anymore. Circumstance, circumstances will adjust how you use your time. It's a fact. So let's just. Let's take the mask off of that and just look at that for a second, okay? And go, okay, what's the circumstance that I have that I'm facing right now that can eat away my time or, or at least create some misjudgment with what I do with my time? Get old. Retirement. These things, all these circumstances, be fired have a disability. You know, I, I cut my hand uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, I got six stitches across my knuckle. This is what my hand looks like now when I wave. I don't have the use of my hand like I used to. And you know, this is precious to me. But you, and I, I'm thinking, and some of you are going, that's it? You still have your finger? You know, I know people in wheelchairs. I know people, they got, they got lots of disabilities and it keeps them from doing certain things. There's certain things I can't do as quickly as I used to because of this little problem now in my knuckle. 
And so disability does that as well. I can't imagine, I was thinking, when I was talking earlier about marriage here a minute, I can't imagine how a single parent is able to do anything. <laughs> you know, how do they get anything done? Circumstances. At the same time, I've seen people face similar circumstances with a different attitude and are able to function and able to be used by God. They're able to do more than they thought they could. What they thought was a reason they discover, oh, maybe I've used that as an excuse too. doesn't diminish the circumstance, but might put it in its proper perspective. That, you know, this is hard, but I'm going to trust God. And, and, and I'm going to look at this, this problem or this circumstance not as something that will block me or prevent me or impede me, but something that could maybe help me or I might be able to use. It might mean just shifting gears. Well, since I can't do it this way anymore, I won't do anything. No, they just shift gears. Well, since I'm unable maybe physically to do this anymore, I can do this instead. I learned this at church camp this year. I was directing uh, 7 to 11 year olds. Oh, I was directing. And then I watched the guys and the girls in the cabins and they're on the front line. And this year I, I didn't have to worry about sports. I had a sports director that actually was a sports director. That's nice. Because I couldn't physically do it anymore. And James Mitchell, he was the MC for our talent night. And I've been the MC all this time. And, and someone says, why don't you let James do it? Oh, why? You put me out the pasture? Well, you, you know, you, you've done it all the time. Let James do it. And here's James with the microphone going, all right, all right, all right. Here we go, kids. Here we got this great act here. All right, all right, all right. And he was great. It was awesome. I'm going, he does it better than me. And I didn't have to worry about that. I had, had Usually I'm, I'm involved in crafts and I'm having to cut a bunch of stuff. And Jeff and Sonia Stewart took on that burden. I didn't have to deal with it. Why? And by the way, I couldn't have. I physically couldn't do it. So I finally had to come to grips with, okay, Tim, you can't do that or that and that. Maybe you need to shift gears. And maybe that's, it was an attitude that made me not only not tolerate it, but celebrate the change. And it was a great week of camp. Attitude can do all kinds of things. Look at the Bible says here in, in Psalms 90. After it talks about how uh, you might live to be 80 or a long time, it says, teach us to use wisely all the time we have. What an attitude. Here's an attitude of the psalmist. He's saying, you know, I'm looking at my time and I realize there's always going to be something gobbling it up. And I've got this circumstance. I've got this at facing me. I've got this challenge. Lord, here's my attitude. Would you teach me how to use my time wisely? I go to you, the Alpha and the Omega. You're the expert in time. You invented it. How do I use it? So what can I do? What can I do to make the best use of my time? Well, let me give you five uh, thoughts I've got here and I'll try to uh, I know some guys are going to a Cardinal game and uh, they want me to hurry up and s- to save them some time. Number one, I approach each day as a gift from God. 
what a great way to start, huh? If I want to use my time wisely, why not just, you know, God, you give me this day and I'm going to celebrate this. Look at, look at uh, David says here, my times are in your hands. One translation says, my future is in your hands. Another translation says, my life is in your hands. Well, what's he meaning? I'm in your hands, Lord. And I'm, and, and, and it's good for me. I don't know, how do you, how do you wake up in the morning? I mean, are you a morning person? I remember one time somebody said, do you wake up in the, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? And she said, no, I let him sleep in. But seriously, how do you wake up in the morning? Or do you wake up going, oh God, good morning? Or is it, oh God, it's morning? I mean, which way does it go for you most of the time? Are you a morning person? But this makes a big difference in the rest of your day. It makes a huge difference in the rest of your day. See, that's what David's saying. He's saying, Lord, my day, my future, my life is from you. And, and, and you know what? I'm going to recognize that and I'm going to get excited about that. And I'm going to refuse to see the day as a burden, but as a blessing instead. Because you've given me this day. And like the psalmist says, and we've sang before, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us be full of joy and be glad in it. It's a day from God. Think about that. He's granted you another day to live. He controls that. So we, that's the first thing. I need to approach each day, just be glad and, and, and look at it as a gift from God. Number two, I commit my time to God. If I want to use it wisely, I need to involve God in it. I don't know how many times you've heard, how many times have you heard this phrase? This is your day. What days do we say that? What days do we hear that? This is your day. Well, it's Mother's Day, right? Mom, where do you want to go? This is your day. Father's Day. Dad, what do you want to do? After all, it's your day. I don't know how many weddings I've been to and the, the, the bridal start having a meltdown and somebody's down, come down, come down. You know, what do you want to do? It's your day. Huh? Or, or, or the biggie of all biggies. Happy birthday to you. It's my birthday. And I'm going to do what I want because it's my day. Right? And we go, no argument here. Nobody says, no, I'm sorry. You can't do that. And we go, you're right. It's your day. What do you want to do with it? Even the Bible talks about the Lord's day. We say that. The Lord's day. I'll hear somebody say, you know, I wonder how many people are going to be around on the Lord's Day. What are they talking about? Talking about Sundays. Right? But is it the Lord's Day more than Sundays? Yeah, every day is the Lord's Day. If we can stop thinking about it. I mean, who's going to be, who's, whose day is it tomorrow? Whose day will it be tomorrow? On Monday? Well, it's not the Lord's Day because that's Sunday. So I don't know. I never thought about that. I guess it's my boss's day. No, it's not! My day? No! Kids? Close. More kids, man. They rule, rule the day. Yeah, no. It's not the kids. Every day belongs to the Lord. And so, and, and, and when I start dedicating every day, all my time to God to say, Lord, this is yours. You're the source of it. I'm going to honor you with it. And I'm going to honor you by bringing you into my plans of it. Look at Romans 12 here. Passage we use during paradigm shift. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. 
Take your everyday ordinary life and look at it says, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. What's he talking about here? He's talking about take the time you sleep, that's eight hours, your idle time, you're doing nothing. I don't know what you do during sleep. I tend to lay there, okay? <laughs> so I, he says, take that time, those, that time you devote to sleeping, eating, got to eat, going to work. There's another eight hours right there. The walking around part. What's that? Anything else? What's left? Somebody says that the average American has about 6.2 hours of free time every day. And I started laughing. Free time? Free time? I'm trying to catch up after I've worked all day. After I've put in glass. I'm doing something else. I listened to my oldest son after he came in putting in glass. He started working on screens. Well, I'm doing my second job. And I just started laughing. You know, it's it's like there's always something to do. Right? Always something to do. But I notice that Paul is encouraging the Christians, just take take that, that idle time, that sleeping time, that eating time, that working time, and just everyone, walking around doing nothing time, whatever you're doing, you place it before God as an offering. Dedicate it to God. See, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but if I'm not careful, I'll rush out. I will rush out of the house I already get so busy with everything that's going on, I don't even think about what God's wanting me to do or how He wants me to use it. And the thing I got to thinking about as I was preparing this is if I have plans, and don't we all have plans each day? Maybe you write them down. I'm going to do that. Or this week. I'm going to accomplish this week or today. And it's important to write them down because if you write them down, you tend to get it done. I've got four things tomorrow I want to do. I've got to make sure I do. And so I wrote them down. They're important enough to write down. Well, if I've got plans and I plan like that, you plan like that, you think God doesn't plan like that? You don't think God's got a plan too? You know, i got a list too, Tim. You want to look at it? It's usually never the same. You ever notice that? I've got this. What do you got? Huh? What? i got this to do. You know, here's what I want you to do. It's never the same. Very, very seldom is it the same. But see, God has things He wants me to do too. Look at it says in Proverbs 16:9. We make our plans, but the Lord decides where we go. You got your plan, I got mine. Guess who wins? One way or another, God's plan. He's going to bring it into your life. Just kicking and screaming if it has to happen that way. He has plans too. And what I notice is, is that I might plan all my time and plan every second of, of, of what I'm going to do, but God wants to be involved in every second of my life too. And when I'm mindful of this, when you and I are mindful of His presence and, and, and His will in our lives, then guess what's going to happen? You and I are going to approach our time as a gift and we're also going to be flexible with our schedule. We're going to open our minds to the Holy Spirit's guidance as the day or the week or the year or whatever begins. I love this passage here. This is up on the screen. This is James speaking. And now I have a word for you who brashly announced today at the latest tomorrow, we're off to such and such city for a year where we're going to start a business and make a lot of money. Sounds like a plan. I got this plan. This is what I'm going to do. He goes, you don't know the first thing about tomorrow. What's he saying there? 
you're forgetting something about time. You don't understand time and how it works. You're forgetting something about time. You're nothing but a wisp. A fog. Catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. He's saying, you don't understand something about time. What is it? You only have a limited amount of it. You don't get more of it. And, and, and you don't want to plan it. You're not sharp enough to figure it all out, is what he's saying here in James. You don't want to plan this without God involved. He goes on to say, instead, make it a habit to say, if the Master wills it and we're still alive, we'll do this or that. In other words, make it a habit to bring God into your time. Make it a habit to consider God's element. See, each morning, I want you to consider making something like this your prayer. Lord, You've given me time to work. You're giving me time to eat today, to shop today, to feed my kids. You may even plan an interruption or two. Whatever happens, Lord, I will trust You. I commit my day to Your guidance, Your wisdom, Your timing. So help me use the time You've given me wisely. So the first thing is, look at that as a gift. And then just start the day say, Lord, it's Your day. I dedicate it to You. Number three, I set aside time for God and others. This is what I learned when I'm reading my Bible. I see this over and over again. Is these kinds of things and these kinds of truths in the Bible about time and about God. And one of them is I set aside time for God and for others. Jesus replied, somebody asked him a question, what's the greatest commandment? And look at his response. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. It's like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus says the first and the greatest commandment from God is to love God and love others. It should be my first priority. So it should be what I reserve my time for the most. You hear me? You know, uh, somebody said time is money. It's not. It's more valuable than money. What you do with your time, what I do with my time, you say, well, Tim, are you saying I can't, I gotta work? You bring God into your workplace, folks. Okay? Gotta eat. Bring Him into your, <laughs> your meals. Gotta sleep. I don't know, I guess pray before you go to sleep and let Him have His way. All I know is this, I noticed this, is that I had, years ago I had a fellow say to me, Tim, I was told him I was going to get in a ministry, and he said, I said, you got any advice for me? He said, yeah, I've got just one piece of advice, Tim. Spend time with God and spend time with people, and everything else will work itself out. I thought that was too simple. Spend time with God, spend time with people, and everything will work itself out. Sounds like Jesus here. Love your God and love people. And I've, over the years, I've, I've learned something, and that's this. Whenever, I've gotten away from one of those, I get into trouble. Whenever I've gotten away from one of those, I get into a mess. Everything gets topsy-turvy on me. I mean, think about this. Just ask yourselves, folks, how many times have you caught yourself at the end of your day realizing you had no thought of God? didn't even think of God the whole day. Or you ignored somebody who needed some help or some encouragement. You think, why did this happen? You know, who knows? You let it happen. I let it happen. 
And I can say I'm too busy. You can say you're too busy. We can always hear the, well, that's then you are too busy. And it's true. When I'm so caught up in my own stuff that I'm not thinking of the Lord and what He wants to do with it. I've not spent any time with God. The daily Bible has saved my life. I don't know what works for you, but that daily Bible has saved my life. My spiritual life completely overhauled it because I started my day looking at the Word. There's so many passages that talk about you know, look, uh, seeking the Lord in the morning, at noon, and at night. I want to burden you with all those. But I guess what I'm trying to say is we need to face something. You and I can't do everything. You just can't do it. I've tried. And I thought I got pretty close. I wasn't even close. I've had to share responsibilities with people. I've had to share work with people. God made it for you and I can only hold so much. I remember years ago at a church camp, they had some uh, theatrical group come and they did different skits. And I'll never forget this skit as long as I live. A young man comes out he goes, my name's, and he's, I don't know what his name was, blah, blah, blah. And I just love sports. And all of a sudden, here comes a guy, I like baseball. And here comes a guy walks out and gives him a, he just stops for a second, gives him a glove and a ball, and he's throwing the glove and catching it. Yes, I love watching baseball. I like playing baseball. And all of a sudden, here comes the bat. He holds the bat and he's trying to maneuver the ball a little bit. And then all of a sudden, he says, I love basketball too. And all of a sudden, a basketball offstage bounces and he, Catches it, almost loses the bat. You see what's happening, don't you? And he goes, and I love, I love doing, and he starts naming all these different interests and all, I like to read and all, here comes all these books out. I go to school and here comes a backpack out. And before long, he is, he, I like to hike. You can just imagine the stuff that was coming at him. And he's got his hands all full and he's straining in the sweat. And he says, oh, and oh yeah, and I go to church too. I love God. And here, this girl comes out and has a Bible. And she's trying to figure out where to put it. There's no room. He goes, oh, no, 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 wait, oh, oh, wait a minute, no, 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 no. And he finally goes, just, just leave it, just leave it. And she sets it on the floor and walks off. There's the skit, stone cold. You get any lessons out of that? I got two. I got two lessons from that. It's possible to overload yourself with so much you have no time for the Lord. It's so easy to overload yourself with leisure, with nothing and something. Own so much stuff that takes so much time to maintain and take care of. Have so many responsibilities that you don't have enough time, you don't have enough energy to be quiet before God with the Word of God open. I hear people say to me all the time, I hear it here, I hear it everywhere, I'd like to help, but I'm too busy. I'd like to help, but I can't make that. I'd like to help, but I can't do that. Why is that? I'm just, I got so much. I'm holding so much. Some of you are holding family, job. Just name it. And it's just, it's going to crush you. It's going to crush you if you don't learn to let go of something. As the second thing I learned was this, is that I tend to shove God to the bottom of my to-do list. Well, when I get time, afterwards I get done, then I'll, Spend some time with God, or then I'll spend some. I'll do something with people. I've heard people say this: "You know, I'm I'm going to be debt free, and then I can give more money to the church or more money for the kingdom." Was well, it work that way with time too? 
Does it, does it stand to reason that it could work that way with time? That if I, if I were to cut some stuff out and move some stuff around, maybe I'd find some margin in my life. I could actually give God some of that time. You see, in order, in order for me to use my time wisely, I have to reclaim the time I've somehow lost. I've got to learn, how do I get it back? Yet last night, I decided to, it was 98 degrees. Well, lecture me later. I decided I want to clean out my shed. What are you doing? And so I'm, and I notice I can't get, I can't walk through it. It's like Tetris. Trying to get over there. How come I get farther away? Oh, wait. Back again. I mean, it's like I'm walking through all this junk, all this debris. It's like, you know, who is this guy? It's me. I'm a hoarder. I mean, it's awful. What do I do? Sometimes you just gotta go, okay, you gotta, you've got to clean it out. You've got to start downsizing. It means choosing. It means prioritizing and pitching stuff. And some of you know what I mean by pitch it, pitch it. You need to pitch it. Why? Because it creates some room so I can maneuver. And our lives get all cluttered up, folks, with all this stuff. Sometimes you just need to... You say, well, my kids like to be involved in all this stuff. Some of our kids don't even want to be involved in it. You want to be involved in it more than they do. They're overloaded. And see, in order to say yes to God, in order to say yes to others, in order to love God and love people, love demands time. It demands attention. If I'm going to do that, to be able to say yes, I've got to say no to some things. The other day, Friday, I was working on some stuff and the phone kept ringing at the office. And Ashley Grove come in and said, Hey, Tim, the guy's got a 69 Camaro. No. Okay. Guy's got a thing about, no. Impressive. You know, she, goes, she finally goes, Tim, I can't believe you said no. What's going on here? This stupid sermon. That's what's doing to me. It's making me realize I can't say yes to everything. My body's telling me that, but the Bible's telling me this. I've got to learn to say no to stuff. And some of it might be good stuff, but it's good stuff, not just bad stuff, that sucks that time right out of me where I don't have any time for the best stuff. Look here, 1 Timothy 4.7. I only use it because it says don't waste time. Look at that. Don't waste your time. Talking to a Christian. Christians don't waste time. Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. In other words, don't waste time over stupid topics. Of course, that's what he's wasting time over. I can think of a lot of things Christians waste time over, okay? Worrying about this, arguing about that kind of stuff. But look what he says to do with our time. Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. And it's when I'm before God that I get fed. And when I'm with people, I exercise that faith. I get an inlet and an outlet, and they make you spiritually fit. Got to have both, folks. So I set aside time for God and for others. Number four, I ask God to help me Make and meet opportunities. This is a tricky one for me. Lots of important stuff, then lots of urgent stuff happen. Everybody has this happen to them. They got this stuff they're doing, and all of a sudden all these interruptions come along. There's, by the way, there's things, there's opportunities that God will use you and I when we on purposely do something to create the opportunity. I believe God will do that. And God wants an opportunity a door opened and he wants us to turn the knob. He wants us to do something to open that up, to open that door. 
You see what I'm saying? But there's other times when I haven't done a thing and something interrupts me. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? We have interruptions. Crisis, a phone call, some, somebody needs something. You know, it, it just, it happens. Like, where do, you get something in the mail? What's this? Or, uh, again, a brother in Christ calls, a sister in Christ calls, somebody has a crisis, they, they need some help, and you gotta ask yourself, do I have time to do anything like that? And sometimes we go, oh brother, I gotta do what? I gotta go over there and help them? Like I said before, you can plan it, but God plans too. I believe personally, it's my personal opinion, that a lot of the interruptions I have were God's plan that had somehow collided with my plans. That some of these interruptions, God's saying, Tim, I need you over here. I don't need you over here wasting time. You could have done that any time, but I need you here now. And see, as a Christian, we're to make opportunities, but we're also to meet opportunities. Good Samaritan had a plan, didn't he? I'm going to worship. But he was interrupted by somebody on the road. Jesus Christ. Did he have a plan? Absolutely. He had plans. I came to do the will of God, he says in John 14. I came to, I came to do exactly what God says. One time he says, should I be, should I not, uh, should I run from this, this hour, this moment? He says, no! It's for this very hour I've come. It was planned. It was ordained. It's the plan of God. Yet, you know, Jesus was interrupted constantly. Jesus, I need help. Jesus, I need healed. Jesus, I need fed. I've got a daughter. I've got a brother. I've got a husband. I've got a wife. I need your help, Jesus. And what's He do? Sorry, I don't have time. I have a plan, and I'm sticking to the plan. You know, Bible says God has a plan for me, and I'm going to stick to the plan. Well, part of that plan is lots and lots and lots of interruptions. Are you ready for those? You might have a plan, but are you prepared? You're preparing your day. Yes, write it down. Yes, I want to do something on purpose for God. I'm going to bring up Christ at work. I'm going to, I'm going to serve this person. I see a need. I'm going to jump in there. But what are you going to do when, it get, when you get interrupted? Will you be just as passionate and just as excited? Because it is the same day the Lord made. Look at the Bible says here. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Well, what kind of opportunities are you talking about? I'm talking about the ones you make? Yep, and the ones that just happen, that open up to you. You see, I, I, I sometimes have a very clear idea, okay, I'm going to do this, we're going to do this, I'm going to preach this, I'm going to do this. But then God may step in and say, uh, Tim, have you thought about what I want you to do lately? Because sometimes when we think about the kingdom... And what matters in the kingdom, it gets a little hazy so far as how planned is that? Do I plan my week to make impact in my community? Do I, am I planning a strategy on how to reach my family? Or am I just waiting for something to happen? And yes, sometimes something happens and it helps, but both are important. Look at what Jesus says here. Instead, make your top priority God's kingdom and His way of life. So my top priority, my first priority is the kingdom of God. So whenever I'm getting ready to live out my day, what does God want me to do? What would advance His kingdom? What value, what kingdom value is He wanting me to to elevate, to lift? Again, Proverbs 16.9. We make our own plans, but the Lord decides where we go. Does your day always go as planned? Mine never does. 
I used to call it the Gill Curse. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this apart. I'm going to put it together. And it's going to work. Nothing like that. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to take it apart. I'm going to get a cut. I'm going to stop and get it fixed. And then I'm going to do this. And then it's going to put it together. And it's not going to work. I'm going to take it apart. And I'm going to put it together. It's not going to work. I'm going to take it apart again. I'm going to put it together. And guess what? It's not going to work. That's the way it usually works. Somebody asks for help. Leave me alone. I'm fixing this. I don't think so. I think you're, you're not fixing it at all. I, I can help. No, we've got to be strategic. We've got to be intentional. Yes, we need to make some things happen, but we need to be ready to respond when something happens. Because sometimes you're put in a certain time, a certain place to do what God wants. So I need to ask God, help me make things happen, Lord. Help me you know, use the time to make some things happen, but also help me respond and, and, and meet those opportunities when they happen. And here's the last thing. I take time to relax and recharge. I remember one year, years ago, I said something about, we, you need to take a break, and I heard a moan across the church, like I'd preached some, some false doctrine. Well, you just made the church lazy by saying you need to take a break. I know this, if I don't take a break, I break. And if you don't take some time to step back and recharge, you're going to, you're going to run out of gas. There's been several times I've come this close of running out of gas. But that break, that time, sometimes the best, I heard somebody say, the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Old story. Mike Kifmar came over to my house. Mike Kifmar is one of the hardest working, craziest, busiest guys I know. And one time he came over to my house and it was on a Sunday afternoon and I was exhausted. He was exhausted. But you know, you're supposed to make stuff happen. You gotta get together. You're good to get together and do some discipling here. And so I'm trying to think, what could I said, Mike, I'm just so tired. Can we just sit here a minute? He goes, sure. And we had, we made the, I made the mistake of putting on TV pro golf. And you know what happens. We're both asleep. We wake up at the end because there's some cheering. I guess I don't know what woke us up. And Mike turns to me and says, Tim, that was the best time I've ever had with you. What? <laughs> Ask him. Best time I ever had. We ever had together, man. We were sleeping for crying out loud. Yeah. Best time. Good times. Good times. Huh? Look what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. It says there's a time for everything. And you know, and if you've listened to the song, you know, you know the, the passage. But I didn't notice these two little things here in verse three, a time to heal. You don't heal running around all over the place, do you? You have to, you have to be still, don't you? You have to sit down. You have to rest. And a time to mend. Sometimes for working so much and doing so much, things break down. Sometimes your mind, you need to mend it. You need to take some time off. And relax. Now, for those of you who believe this passage, believe in taking a lot of rest, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking about to you that, that, that you're not doing anything. I'm talking of us that are you're you're, you're having a, a trouble with overload. You need some time to relax, to recharge. Even Jesus did this. He said, "Let's get away from the crowds for a while." He says this to his disciples. Why? For so many people were coming and going that they scarcely had time to eat. Sometimes life gets a little hectic. And even Jesus believed you ought to take a break. I ask you, do you take breaks? 
Spend some time. I, Marvin Phillips, who just passed away recently, said this to me one time. He said, Tim, divert daily. Withdraw weekly. I can't remember what M was monthly. And something yearly. He says, I have some quiet moments. I learn to take a nap or I learn to be quiet, start my day with the Lord. And every week I take a day off. Did you know that right now 42% of parents will not take a day off during the summer? 42% of American parents. And by the way, when Dairy Queen found this out, they came out with an ad that only lasted 24 hours. Did you know that? It was a choir of some children singing in some beautiful places where there's nobody there. Beaches, playgrounds, because the parents are working. They sang songs like this. Guilt trip, guilt trip, guilt trip, guilt trip. You know, you won't take a day off. You know, and the parents are watching these. And they had several like this. They're called the Summer Skip Day Singers. Another song was called Working All Summer. I've been working this whole summer. You're just never home. You've been working this whole summer. You're always glued to your phone. This was to parents. They were outraged. They pulled the ad in 24 hours. Why? Because it made them feel guilty. Another song they sang was called Always Gone. Folks, I'm just telling you, sometimes you need to take a day off. You need to take a day off. You need to take a break. Because the first thing to go, the first thing to go when you're overloaded is your relationships. It's the first thing to suffer. Your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, your relationship with your friends. Now as I close, I want to just say something and then we'll get out of here, okay? Um, I've learned something through this study. And I've studied about time many times and I've kept schedules and I'd like to think I'm, I'm a steward of God's time, but that phrase right there, kind of caught me off guard because as I was researching this, I realized, wait a second, I'm the manager of my time. You're the manager of your time. You ever been so bothered at a restaurant and you say, I want to speak to the manager. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? You're, this meal stinks. This is the worst breakfast I've ever had, you know, from Nacho Libre. This stinks. I want to speak to the manager. Or uh, we were the other day we were at a dealership doing a roof glass and a family had come in at this dealership. I won't tell them. I won't tell you who it is. Marty Kinsella there on Lindbergh. But anyway, they were furious, yelling and screaming, we want to speak to the manager. Why the manager? Don't you want to speak? Oh, we got this. Here's a cleanup guy. I don't want to speak to the cleanup guy. Uh, you want to, well, how about the mechanic? No, not the mechanic. The manager. Boy, when I get those phone calls. Tim, they want to speak to the manager. Well, can you take the call? No! You're the manager. I don't want to take the call. Why do they want to talk to the manager? Because he's the one in control. She's the one in control. You're the manager of your time. You're the man. It's not your boss. Well, I do more, but my boss just works me like a devil, man. No. Don't blame your boss. My wife, she's always getting me doing stuff and I can't, I wish I could. Don't you blame your wife. Quit blaming your wife for your to-do list. I've got a wife. She has a to-do list. Well, it's actually my to-do list. She fills it out, but that doesn't matter. I know what you, you know what I'm saying? Quit blaming her. Quit blaming your husband. Well, you know, we would do more, but he's always busy. He's a, stop blaming him. What are you doing with your time? 
don't blame your kids. Well, I do stuff, but I got all these pesky kids. Stop blaming your kids. They're not the manager of your time. You're the manager of your time. And God sometimes, I think, wants to speak to the manager. And He's not going to talk to your boss. He's not going to... On Judgment Day, he's not... when we have to give an account, He's not going to be looking for some other manager. It's you. How did you manage your time? What are you going to do? Because see, when I realize I'm a manager, then I realize I'm responsible. I am the responsible person here. Nobody's making me do anything. Some of you are really good at that too, by the way. You fight everybody, okay? And I'm not, I'm not saying let's be independent. But I want to tell you, folks, you and I are going to face God. He's going to say, how are you spending this time, Tim, I gave you? The gift I gave you. What would you do with it? Are you that kind of person that gets a gift you don't, and you sit on the shelf and you forget you got it? And I gave you, I gave you this many years, Tim. What are you doing with it? I gave you this much time, Tim. What you going to, what do you do with it? Why aren't you talking to my brother or talking to Alan or Gary and, or maybe the church? You know, the church really got me busy. No, 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 Tim. It's not the church. They're not the manager. You're the manager. I'm the master. I've given you this. I don't want you to use it wisely. How did you use it? That's what I want you to think about this morning. This pressing question as we close. If God was, if God was first, how would it change how I use my time? Ask yourself, if God is first, if I, if I see His day as a gift, if I dedicate it to Him, and if, and if I set aside time for Him and for others, if I ask Him to help me meet, help me meet those needs and help me make the, or meet those opportunities and make those opportunities, and if I, and, and if I give Him even my leisure time, would, how would it change? How would it change? You've got a card in your bulletin, and it's an opportunity for you to respond to what you've heard today. Maybe you need to ask God, help me, God, be a better time manager. Or, or confess something, Lord, I've, I've wasted a lot of time and I don't want to do that anymore. You know, or I've been making this as an excuse and no more excuses, I'm changing my attitude. Or maybe you just want to rededicate, not just your time, your whole life to God. Why not do that this morning? I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a closing song. We'll take up those cards. We'll take also take up our weekly contribution and God... Uh, God be the glory. And I want to say to you, um, may God bless you. A wonderful summer that's balanced. That you don't let one thing overtake the other, but that you learn to balance and use your time wisely. Allowing God to use you even if He interrupts your plans. Let's pray. Father, thank You for uh, today, this Sunday morning, Lord. Father, thank You for calming me down. Father, what a crazy morning. I'm yelling at my computer, yelling at my printer. I mean, oh, over a stupid piece of paper. Lord, I'm so sorry. Help me see, Father, your plans are bigger. Help us see your plans are bigger than ours. They're better than ours. Father, help us uh, call to you, bring you in, involve you into how we should use this gift this gift that you give us every day. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.